The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. Today's guest is Gail Kraft. Um, this, this amazing lady completed 75 hard with a bunch of us. She was a badass. When I was complaining about a little bit of cold, she was out there in the snow getting it. So it taught me one thing is to keep my mouth shut when it's cold over here. <laughs> right. I was walking with you in the freezing cold while you were walking, we were talking, right? Yeah. There was only one time though, I, I could probably semi get close to you guys and when it hailed on me on my morning workout i was like oh my god i can't believe it's hailing in california so i really appreciate you being here today gail it's an honor for me to have you as a guest uh, and what i like to do so as we get started i would like you to tell people who is gail craft and, and what do you do to have all day <laughs> <laughs> no but in a nutshell um, so I'm Gail Kraft. I am a motivational speaker. I am a writer. I'm the author of a book called The Empowering Process. And I am an empowerment coach. And pretty soon, I will also be a podcast host. I just love helping people figure it out in their life and watch them change and grow and become even more than what they were before. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Max. No, you know, I'm the honor is all mine. Like, <laughs> I've known Gail for a, a while, like over the years. If you think about it, Gail, we've kind of known each other like through Chris for 10 years. Because as long as I know Chris, I've always seen you in his group and interacting with Chris. And it, not until this year where I really got to know Gail. And let me tell you, she's a badass. Don't mess with Gail. She's <laughs> we have some, we actually have some similar friends as well out in California. We'll have to talk about that sometime. Okay, perfect. I would love to. Yeah. But, um, you know, we re I really got to know Gail this year, or starting at the end of last year in November, mm -hmm. when a group of us began this 75 hard challenge. And, um, you know, Chris started this group, a, a friend of ours who started this group uh, to, you know, kind of keep each other accountable. And we all went through there, I think 60, I think 64 or 65 of us, some are finishing up now, but there's three, four, five of us that all finish around the same time. And let me tell you, like, Gail's like me, like the bitch voice would come in and she would talk about it. But then she was she's talking about it as she's getting snowed on and doing her out <laughs> outdoor door uh, workout and, and getting it. And, you know, I seen her in rainy days. I saw her in snowy days. And, 
you know, mostly snowy days because she lives back east. And, um, you know, a lot of us in California take for granted our beautiful weather. So uh, don't ever bitch about cold weather weather because Gail will set you straight or some of my East Coast friends. I, I spent 15 years in San Diego, so I know it's all about acclimation. You know, I joke because I was out sunning yesterday because it was 56 degrees. In San Diego, you put on your winter coat when it's 56 degrees, right? You, you, not, not a tank top and shorts. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just a matter of acclimation and it's a matter of perspective. And that's what, you know, mindfulness is all about. That's what 75 Hard was all about. That's what a commitment is all about, really. It's, it's where your focus is and where you put your mind. You know, one of those days during 75 Hard Max, I think it was Christmas. I'm pretty sure it was Christmas. We were about 35 days in at Christmas. And I typically walk a route that's about a little over two miles. And I went one circle. There's three circles that I go. And near the end, I was the bitch voice. I don't, oh my God, this is just so hard. I'm so tired. This is just so diff difficult. And then my conscious adult voice said, honey, you've been doing this for 35 days. It hasn't been hard for 35 days. So shut up and just keep going. And then I was fine. <laughs> right. Right. But that's life. Exactly. And I got it, you know, because a lot of people like, would ask me like, Oh, what kind of fitness challenge is that? And I said, it's not a fitness challenge. I said, it's a mental toughness challenge. I go, fitness is part of it, but it's partly because it's, it's to make us mentally tough as we're going through our daily routine and keeping track of these things we have to do. And when I would tell people about like, you know, and Gail will laugh and I know she'll agree, like that water thing was tough, you know, especially in the beginning when you're not used to drinking a gallon of water, when you know, I drank just enough during the day where I could sleep through the night where like a pee did not, excuse me, did not have, would wake me up. But then drinking this gallon of water, I was up two or three times a night just going, you know, and people think it's an easy task. They were, they look simple on paper until you actually do them. And, and that's cool. Kind of lead me into this next question, Gail. So you said you're an empowerment coach. Let the people know, let the audience know like exactly what that means like what you do with your clients when it comes to empowerment? Because some people, well, what does that mean? I'll, I'll talk a little bit about um, one of the, the training courses. I call them training courses. So I'm a motivational speaker and I'll, I'll get up there and I'll do a little bit more than motivate because I want you to actually sustain the feeling and the experience when you go home. And one of the trainings I do is all about facing the dark side of who we are. And Max, you can relate to this, I'm sure, because that is a part of us that we were raised to hide from. You know, good girls don't say that, suppress your anger, right? This is wrong for you to feel that way or to do that, don't cry. All of these things taught us to suppress, 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 because, oh, God forbid that we should feel anything, right? And what happens when we suppress, I call it, we're planting a seed and it gets to grow nice, strong roots, right? And the more we suppress it, the stronger it gets until one day you fly off the handle and you go nuts over the toothpaste being squeezed from the wrong place, 
right? You're, right? Your reaction has absolutely nothing to do with the reality of what's going on. And it happens to all of us because this is how society raises us so we fit in, right? So the dark side is about facing some of those things. And so I'll talk about a couple of them. So one is anger. I know anger is something that we're taught, don't express your anger, especially men we're told because they're, they're so strong and so fearful when they get angry, right? And the, the thing is, is what I want you to do is when you feel that anger, just to step out from it, kind of look at it like another person, right? Pull it out and ask, so what is it that you're trying to tell me? Because when you feel anger, when you're angry, it's because you're feeling powerless in a situation, right? Um, and, and I'm gonna go there, Black Lives Matter, <laughs> right. BLM, all of the anger that was coming up. And, you know, and I kept saying to my friends who were also overreacting and it was overreacting because people are feeling disempowered, right? COVID took what little control we had of our life away. Yeah. yeah. Right? And, and right, and so you just planted the seeds and you watered the seed and you planted the seed. Every single person in that first incident that, that arose was feeling disempowered and fearful. And that's what was going on. And, you know, I totally agree. There's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to equality on a billion different fronts, right? right? But the real root of what was going on is disempowerment. We're all were feeling it, and it's just how to navigate through that. And there was nothing there. There was no recognition that this was happening. This is the first time the modern age has experienced this type of isolation, right? So we had no clue what to do with it. Right, right now, I'm looking at teenagers who have been isolated at home not going through the socialization, especially the teenage years, which is incredibly important for yeah. socialization, teenage and five and six-year-olds, incredibly can. important, Absolutely. right? And they're now stressful. They have stomach aches. They're being told they have to go back to school and they're having a heart attack about it. They're mm. finding reasons not to go, right? And they're feeling disenchanted and dis distanced from their friends. Right. As much as they had social media to stay in contact, it wasn't the same. So all of this is, you know, a root of fear. It's fear, right? The next, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I cover during this training is um, anxiety. And again, that was a lot, of, there was a lot of anxiety going on in, in the past 12 months, right? Oh, and yeah. I, anxiety is telling you your life is out of balance. Right. So think about, again, having the conversation. If you know what your emotion is telling you, then you know what questions to ask. Yeah. Right. So, OK, I'm feeling a little bit anxious. So where are things like out of whack right now? Right. Where are things a little wobbly in my life right now? And what do I have the power to make a change in it? Right. Sometimes we don't. Absolutely. Right. So when you know you're out of balance, how do you find that balance, find the balance when you don't have the resources and the control? Right. right? 
So it's looking for those resources because once you know what the problem is, you're more than halfway to the solution. Right. And and I I thank God for my mentors when I first, as you know, I've been sober for quite a while now. And one of the biggest issues I had was anger, right? Which is the underlying issue is I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the unknown. Like you said, I'm disempowered because for so long I was putting substances in my body that just checked me out of the world, right? Right. And, you know, I got some tools to use. So, you know, for me, early on, what I would do when I would get angry at somebody, like to the point where I wanted to like, you know, wring their neck or something, right? I'd always look at, I would have to stop myself. I pause and then I would think, okay, this person's sick too, like me, like, you know, how can I be helpful instead of harmful? And then I would ask, you know, my, my, my higher power, which is God, I would go, okay, God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. And I practiced that mantra over and over, which helped me because I was the guy, you know, like most men would go from zero to 60 in like a second and a half. And it's very fearful for women to see that. Yeah. And, you know, and that was something I never wanted my daughters to see, you know, and, and they've been on the, the other end of me raising my voice and getting mad at them, you know, cause that's what teenage daughters do and teenage sons when they're growing up, they want to see how far they can push dad. That's their job. <laughs> they're supposed to do that. Right. And then the anxiety thing I was taught too. it was good. I'm glad you gave yours, your, um, definition because for me it was always anxiety for me was I was always worrying about something that wasn't happening yet and like you said I had to ask myself the questions I and I for me I had to keep it simple because like you've heard one of our friends say like I'm Forrest Gump you know I got to keep it as simple as possible I just asked myself like how important is it really hasn't even happened yet that I need to worry about something that I have no control over Future projection and past. So we'll get into that in, in a second because I want to hit fear next. Okay. Right? Because fear, the message your body is telling you with fear, it's letting you know what's important to you. Right. Right? Because if you weren't fearful. So, for example, I told my daughter, daughter the other day, I said, yeah, when, when you weren't living at home, I was so afraid of you being in a car accident. I used to drive around town looking to make sure there wasn't a car accident with you rolled over somewhere. (laughs) And she's like, no way. I'm like, yes way. (laughs) Because I was, you're that important to me. (laughs) Right. Right. That, you know, I wanted, I was just so afraid that something would happen. Right. And, and I would go and, you know, check out to make sure nothing really did happen. It's just, just kind of crazy. It's just kind of crazy, but your emotions are telling you something. And rather than hold a conversation with your emotion, we've been taught to pretend it's not there. Exactly. And, And that's exactly how I was raised. You know, I came like my, the generation before me are all from the old school. Like you said, they were taught and I know it was, you know, carried on to them was that like, at least for men, right? You don't show fear. You don't show You don't show any emotions. You suck it up. Anything happens. You just show this. Like all my uncles were like that. I don't think I ever saw any of my uncles ever cry. 
You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and my mom was a single mother and, you know, I remember when she'd say I'd get in trouble and she'd whip my butt and I'm freaking crying and she would go, you really want something to cry about? And I'm looking at her like, you just broke a wooden spoon over my butt and you're trying to tell me you got to give me something else to cry about. Right. You can tell the generational, you know, and not till when she got close to passing where she changed because Growing up, she wasn't the most affectionate mother, right? Because she worked a lot, right? Mm-hmm. But as, mm-hmm. as she got older, she was she became, you know, and before the end, she was always hugging me and giving me a kiss on the cheek, you know what I mean? And telling me I, she loved me. It's just crazy when you think about the stuff that's passed on to us that we don't even realize. And then we do the same until people like us do the work. Until figure- we wake up. Yeah, we wake up, we do the work and we figure that's not how it's supposed to work. Um, but yeah, fear. What is that? False evidence appearing real, right? That's what right. Right. False evidence, future evidence, evidence, you know, so there's there's this thing that we do. We're either living in the past or we're projecting in the, in the future. And very rarely are we in the present. Right. right? I, I believe in the past the conversations that we have in our head every day today, the conversation I'm having in my head is the exact same conversation I had in my head yesterday. So there's nothing new going on. Right. Right. It, it, we, we, we repeat it and therefore we create a pattern. We create a groove until we consciously shift that. Right. right? Yeah. One of the other trainings I do is live an endlessly delicious life. And one of the things I talk about is every day, do something that scares you just a little bit, right? So for, for me, because I'm agoraphobic, even like even going out for that walk during 75 hard by myself, I really had to push myself to go out that door, right? To, to get past the agoraphobic uh, phobia. But uh, if I am going to the store or if I'm going to a networking event, because uh, I will force myself to a networking event, I will take a different route, someplace I've never gone before. It's a little bit different, right. a little bit frightening. So I'm not asking my participants to do anything scary, just a little uncomfortable, because then you get comfortable with being uncomfortable and you can expand your ability to be uncomfortable. And if you continue doing that, Max, then you do some friggin' amazing things in your life, Man. right? Because you become comfortable it's like an elastic. It expands a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more, right? Right. And, and you step into those things that you want to do. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, I love what I do. <laughs> yeah. And that makes such sense. And I especially going through the challenge we just went through, 75 hard, like it pushed me. So now, like I used to love being comfortable because if everything was status quo, like I didn't have to worry. Right. Cause none of us want to worry and push ourselves. But now it's, I'll tell you, like if I miss a day of working out or if I miss something or I'm really pushing myself and I, and it's like, I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but I got to do it. Like that's where I'm getting comfortable now, like to push right. myself to be in a better human being. Right. right. Uh, I think I said it one time when I was walking, I was doing a live, there was a guy who was really big in the fitness, Sam Bakhtiar or whatever. He's really popular in the fitness industry, right? Really, from what I hear, a really generous giving guy. 
his whole thing was always be 1% better than you were the day before. Right. <laughs> and, um, you know, I started that 75 hard uh, journey because I said coming into January, I said, you know, I'm going to really work on that 1% so that at the end of the year, I'm 365% better than I was in 2020, right? Because I know there's a lot of room for improvement. And it's amazing that you said that because now I really feel uncomfortable when things are smooth because then I was, then I'll start, you know, I, I'll mind trip myself like, oh, something's going to happen. Then, you know, like you said, I'm Oh, no, don't do that because <laughs> then it will. <laughs> I, but I'm learning it's like okay to be uncomfortable. And sometimes that's where I grow the most. I know you may agree, but I think you probably think the same thing. Like when I'm uncomfortable, but I know I'm pushing myself, that's where the growth comes, right? That's awesome. That is exactly, exactly where the growth comes from. You know, um, it, it's it's all about just taking the next step and the, and the, the concept of being present is a fleeting concept. Um, I'll, I, I'll blow your mind with this. <laughs> okay. So then, so we talked about the past. Now the future is a projection. And the interesting thing is if you work with me, I'm going to talk about, I want you to visualize yourself five or 10 years from now. Everything is perfect. This per everything went well, it's a perfect world. What does that look like? Right. And then I'm like, I don't want you living there. Okay. We got the picture. We're done. Now I want you to behave today as though that happened. Right. What choices would you make if you were 10 years in the future that you wouldn't make today? Makes sense. Right. 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 And as soon as you do that, now you're living in the now of tomorrow. Hello. Hmm. <laughs> right and if you're living in the now of tomorrow even though it hasn't manifested yet it will not manifest in five years it'll manifest in two or one right that's kind Six of what months. um that, that makes total sense because uh you know vision lakiani the founder yes. of valley right he yeah. talks about that in his meditation practice he goes what he says is something similar where he goes, one year we overestimate what we can do, but if you put things out three years, we underestimate what we can do as people, right? Cause our minds are so powerful. So if you project what your life wants to you, what you want your life to look like in three years, you're more likely to get that than if you were to say, okay, I'm going to be this in a year. Because then we over, we got to make, it takes time for the universe to whatever, catch up, I guess, what I caught from his talks. But, you know, that's. So, so I'll, so I'll talk cognitively. It's, so the studies that I've done, Max, because I've been, you know, studying the mind and the emotions for over a decade. Um, so I tried to, to find the spiritual, which he's talking about, and right. how that connects to, to the human brain and how that works. And here's the, the deal. When we micromanage, that's a 12 months out, we will miss the mark. Right. 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 Because we're, we're oh, just adjust, adjust, adjust. Right. We're all right. over the place. Right. But when we macromanage, right, we can take broad strokes and we're not right. And we will not miss the mark because it's a broad stroke. So I talk in broad strokes with my, with that, my clients. And that makes sense. Yeah. And that sounds like a diet, right? Like I know if I micromanage, I miss the mark every time because then I'm so obsessed of getting everything, you know, that perfectionist thing. Right. Right. But when I macro manage 
and I just go with the flow. Like, I, you know, I know for me, I lost, that's the most weight I've lost in a long time was 11 pounds and two waist sizes because of the challenge. But mine wasn't just a whole, I didn't really have to change my diet. It was just portion control. It was portion control for me. I changed my diet a little bit, um, but I've always watched what I eat. So for me, because I hadn't exercised in three years, I put on weight because I was building muscle, the, the awareness of living in the present. So here we are. So, so let me give you the little mind-blowing perspective that I have on living in the present. You know that there is no present. Because the moment that I realize that I have said something, it's already in the past. <laughs> Your laugh is in the past. Right, exactly. Your right is in the past. <laughs> By the time it registers, right? And so the only living in the present is during meditation, right? When you calm the mind and you just focus on your breathing, that's the only present that you can really connect with. So when I talk about being present with my clients, I'm really talking about letting the past stay where it belongs, history, and let the future wait for you to catch up. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, focus on what is going on in this moment, right, um, as much as you can. And then I have some exercises for honing focus, both physical as well as, you know, meditation. And, you know, everybody meditates differently because some people are visual, some people are audio. How do you learn? If you're a visual learner, then I'll give you some guided picture meditation. If you're audio, I'll give you sound. Depends. Everything is different. Everyone is different. It's just fun. And that's what makes the world go around, right? Uh, Oh, it makes it so delicious. And it's so much fun. Right. So we talked about fear, right? A little bit. And what I like to ask my guests, you know, because I wrote a book, as you know, called Fearless Happiness. And I've had some really cool conversations around. um, And I love hearing everybody's definitions. So what does fearless mean to you? And how does that show up for you on a daily basis? So I talked a little bit about what the emotion of fear means, right? Right. So being fearless to me means that Um, you embrace your fear, right? It's going to show up, right? So you embrace it anyway. You understand the message. Okay, what are you trying to tell me, right? And then you decide to move forward anyway. Right. Still move forward, right? So if you think that Tony Robbins gets on stage fearlessly, then you've not seen what he does before he gets on in preparation, (laughs) <laughs> right. Um, uh, so do you know who Sir Lawrence Olivier was? I do. Okay. He was a famous amazing actor, actor right? Stage, stage actor, mostly. Right. You know that he used to first throw up before getting on stage every time, every night. And he could not face the audience directly. Yeah. That's crazy that you say, because we just, you know, when you turn on, like you're getting ready to go to bed, my wife and I watch a little TV. We like documentaries. So we saw something shares the same way. Like she talks about how so anxiety ridden. So st- her stage fright was so bad. And then you see her on stage. You're like, 
what? Yeah. But so scared to death to, to go on stage and face an audience. And I'm like, yeah. wow, man, that just like, that's crazy. So I was thrown into a situation um, being trained to be on stage. And an hour before going on stage, I had brought in a song saying, yeah, my walk on song is this. So when I come into a room, I want you to play this. Right. And they're like, yeah, you know, you walk on song. You're going on stage tonight. You're going to sing it. First of all, Max, I did not know the words. <laughs> Second of all, you do not want me to sing. I couldn't hold a note if it was put in my hand. So I was a basket case and I'm trying to YouTube the song and I, you know, I'm in some hotel room with terrible connection. Couldn't YouTube the song. I'm sweating buckets. <laughs> so I get backstage and they're making me up. And the woman who's, she says, how you doing? I said, I'm scared shitless. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do up there. She goes, you'll be fine. I, I know. I got on stage. I made up the words and the word that I basically said, by the way, guys, I sing like crap. You have to listen to it. I don't. So my pity is with you, right? <laughs> but somehow I got this to rhyme and I'm all over the stage and the trainers are hitting the stage. They're laughing their ass off so much, <laughs> right? right? It, this is hilarious, right? And when it was over, I walked off stage soaking wet from the sweat, handed my mic and everyone's going, that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, just get me a drink, <laughs> Right. Because when you're in the moment, you just do it. Yeah. And that's, right? that's what I learned. Yeah. One of the scariest thing I ever did was getting sober. And what's interesting about addiction is you have to face that every single day. Yeah. It does not go away. It might hide for a little bit. And then one day it's going to stick its little head up. Mm -hmm. Right. And you have to go, oh, you again. Right. For the rest of your life. So people who don't know about addiction don't understand. I, I have so many friends that are recovered drug abusers, alcohol, you know, in this field, in this industry. Right. And every single one I have got one every once in a while he'll put out on Facebook. Today's a tough one. And he's been sober 15 years. Yeah. I'm coming up yeah. on 18 this year. Yeah, it's a and, tough uh, one. Most of my challenges have been when I've been clean and sober. But yeah. you, know, like you said that that whole thing about fear is I just had to look it in the eye and go, you know what? I'm not going to let it rule me or I no. guess I'm going to end up. <clears throat> I'm going to walk through this, you know, be as present as possible. Mm -hmm. Right. Because I one thing I taught was taught was to be uh, to stay in between the claps. Right. You know, right. Like, OK, at first I didn't get it. I was like, huh? <laughs> you know what are you talking about and then i started it took me a while right because i'm slow but i did it you know and like you said um i think i forget his name i just went blank but the power of now the guy who wrote that book talks about that stuff like we're right right that's what you just said about like like my laugh that's already in the past like we're already past stuff right it's already over yeah. so <laughs> i love your definition of that and being fearless um you know, because I'm sure you know people, I know people that are so stuck in fear that they can, they, 
they may think they're living a productive life because they stay out of trouble or whatever. But then I look at what they're doing and I'm like, ah, yeah. you know, you're letting fear rule like things you're fearing things that haven't even happened yet. You know, every sibling of mine is like that. I was raised. I was raised. Don't climb the ladder too high. God will put you right back where you belong. <laughs> oh, thank you. As I climb the ladder in business. Right. And oh, guess what? God put me back where I belong because I believe that. Right. right. And it's, you know, it's not until I realize that I'm in control and God doesn't want me back anywhere. God wants me to climb as high as I want to. Exactly. Right. 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 He's my biggest cheerleader. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I know we can go on and on and on. So we're going to move on to the next question that I love to ask my uh, guests, you know, knowing that I put a Y in my title of my book and happy. I know, <laughs> uh, you know, we, I know, you know what that stands for, but knowing that I put that Y there, what does happiness mean to you? And what is, how does that show up for you every day? So for me, um, happiness is not joy and flowers and sun, right? Um, Happiness is that living in the knowing. And that's a, a word that I've been using a lot in, uh, since COVID because it's, there's no word for it, right? There's no word that I know in any language that describes how that, what that feeling is. It's just knowing, right? Um, there's a piece there's a calm, there's a steadiness, there's, there's a consistency, right? Um, to just knowing. And when you settle into, at least when I settle in, so I don't want to project my beliefs on anybody, they're my beliefs. But when I am in that knowing, I totally, totally, totally trust my intuition because I'm totally, totally connected. And you know, it may not make any sense that I feel like I want to go right instead of left, but I'm going to go, okay, I'll go right. And let's see. And pff, wow. Look at what happened because I went right. Right. It's, it's just pretty, it's, it's pretty amazing. And the, the universe does do things for a reason. Right. Yeah. You I know, even coincidences. No, no, even negative things. I'll give you a quick story of a, a negative. Um, so I had a meeting with someone last week and I showed up and, you know, he didn't. And I sent an email, you know, oh, I'm here waiting for you. Another five, 10 minutes went by and like, okay, something happened. So, you know, I sent, I had sent that email out and he responded. He was on an hour earlier and what he had to say about me being unprofessional and not showing up. And mine was in, it was, an Outlook meeting clearly at four o'clock, it adjusts by time zone. So I don't know what happened. Right. But he jumped to conclusions and put something on Facebook about it. Right. And, and I, you know, my first thought was, what an asshole. <laughs> my second, my second thought was, what an angry person. Holy crap. He's got issues. Yeah. My third thought was, I'm glad I did. He didn't show up at the meeting because I don't want him on my podcast. Right, <laughs> that's when you want to ask. 
to go, hey, buddy, who peed in your Wheaties this morning? Right, You're right. You're out, bud. <laughs> right. No, no, I had nothing to say, you know, but I did an amazing blog because of it. It's out on my, on my website, it. right? That's what, that's what that came from, right? It was like, okay, so you just jumped to a conclusion and, you know, and it was wrong, <laughs> right? But whether it was wrong or right, you never once checked with me and said, hey, Gail, I'm in a meeting, you know, where are you? Because right. I would have been, holy shit. And I would have gone on. Right. Right. And so today my, my schedule says four o'clock, not three <laughs> o'clock. Right. So, you know, the, the, the point being is, you know, the universe does take care of us. We just have to listen. Yeah. Right. And the more you listen, the louder it gets, the clearer it gets. Absolutely. And the more you don't listen, the louder it gets. Right. Right. I agree. That's like praying for patience. I learned early and quick never to do that because you will not like the way that the universe, God, whatever, Buddha. Right. Doesn't matter what you call it. Because they're going to give it to you to teach you patience. Right. Right. I used to used to say, and, and this is true, the universe taps me on the shoulder all the time. I would just brush it off. Right. right. Then the universe would hit me in the forehead. And I'd be like, huh, what was that? Right. Then I would get the brick. Yeah. Still, I'd be annoyed, but ignore the message. Right until the universe literally pushed me through a brick wall. <laughs> That's when you go out. It's like, okay, I see what you've been trying to say to me for, you know, how many years. And this was a repeating pattern of mine until I started to wake up and listen. And the, the dark side is about that, waking up and listening to the messages that it's your, your body Every cell in your body is a, a brain. Every cell in your body hangs on to messages in history. Every cell in your body communicates. And so your body, when you start to, to listen, like with the anger, right? And you start to hold those conversations, you start to realize that you're feeling that in certain parts of your body. You learn how to, before you get angry, feel that trigger. You know, oh, I know it's coming. Let's have a conversation right now before I get there, right? It's all you practice and you hone and you get better and you get better and you get better, right? Do I slip? Sure I do. But I am so not the person that I used to be. And every day I'm a different person than the person before. Absolutely. That's what the journey is. That's what we're here for. So I'm so glad that you invited me on this, Max. And I'm so happy to have shared some of your journey with you. Oh, uh, you know, the, like I said, the honor's all mine. I'm so happy that you took me up on it. I'm so glad you're here. Um, really, really appreciate you. Not only, you know, through Chris, but like now we're friends. Like I appreciate you as a human being. And you got so much to share. And that's why when I thought, I was like, I got to get Gail on my podcast. <laughs> I 
Um, so any last thoughts or, and, and last thoughts and if people want to get a hold of you, how, how can they get a hold of you? They want to work with you as a coach, you know, as a client. Sure. sure. So, so last thoughts, I think, you know, is your body is talking to you and the universe is talking to you through your body. And the more that you pay attention, the faster you can tap into the messages that are coming for your next step and your next step and your next step. So, you know, Gail Craft, Gail, G-A-I-L, Craft, K-R-A-F-T, like the cheese, but not related at all. You can, my website site is gailcraft.com and you can reach me, Gail Craft, at, on um, Facebook, on the, um, Instagram, and you can reach me on almost any social media platform at this point, I'm like all over the place, but definitely go out to my website or go to Facebook and, you know, message me, be happy to connect with you. And, you know, I do offer for coaching complimentary sessions. If you're looking for a coach and you want to see what that experience is like, I'd be happy to show you. Thanks, Max. Take her up on it, everybody. <laughs> Again, thank you, Gail, for, for um, coming on today. This is going to be an awesome episode. I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this for me. My pleasure.